what she was put on earth to do was to bring people closer to Christ and to change the world of congenital heart disease and change everybody's outlook on Down syndrome. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Today, I have a friend from college. This is Ellen Boyer, the founder of the Brett Boyer Foundation, and she has an incredible story, and it's so many things that she has learned throughout life that I wish I knew as a collegiate, and she agreed to come on the podcast today. So welcome, my friend, Ellen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I would love just to kind of let them know how we know each other. We, You're a little bit younger than me, but we were both 80 pies at Georgia Southern. Yes. Go Eagles. And yes. you guys can't see this right now, but she is sporting her Georgia Southern Eagles hat. Always. <laughs> Which makes me so happy. So she has some famous relatives. No big deal. <laughs> um, this is, let's see. So I was same age as Caroline, her sister-in-law. That's right. And Caroline is married to someone you may have heard of, Luke Bryan. And they, we all connected kind of after college at a tailgate because we just have mutual friends and that's what you do when yeah. you are, you know, in college life and all of that kind of stuff. And just getting to know, you know, Caroline as she grew up and Ellen and following their story, learned that Ellen walked through a terrible hard time losing a sweet baby, but through that, the amazing foundation that was born, the Brett Boyer Foundation. So that is a very uh, wide synopsis, <laughs> but I guess take us back, Ellen, if you can, I guess maybe first after college, like what happened in you guys after college? When did you and Bo get married? All that kind of stuff. Um, Bo and I met actually the night that he graduated Southern and okay. I from Southern. And I said that God must have said one minute earlier and you will kill each other <laughs> because we ran in the same circles. I don't understand. I know we had to have passed each other several times, but we met the night that he graduated Southern. He graduated in 2004. Yep. 2005. And then we got married in 2009. So a whole lot of Georgia Southern football games in between that time that we were there together. (laughs) I have a funny bow story. So when I first graduated, I worked there locally for a cable station. And so I got to put my friends in commercials. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I thought it was super funny. And we did this commercial for a menswear, like that sold, you know, the nice polo shirts and stuff. Mm And I was friends with a bunch of Simicais at the time. And I'm like, hey, get all your friends and we're going to make a commercial. And Bo was in that commercial. Nice. His claim sure. to fame. I was about to say. <laughs> so after that, you and Bo got married and then talked to me about what happened after that. 
Yes. So we got married in 2009 and we lived in Milledgeville, Georgia and loved it there. And both were working really hard, long hours. And we decided shortly after we got married, that we were, we wanted to have a family and wanted to have a baby and weren't focusing all of our thoughts on that. We we're like, let's just keep working hard. It'll happen when it happens. Well, the next what thing were y'all we doing at this time working with. I was working at the hospital there, Oconee Regional. I'm a sonographer, ultrasound mm-hmm. tech. And then um, Bo was working in medical sales. And I was taking call all the time. Still had a great work family. But it was kind of one of those things being in Milledgeville, we knew there weren't a lot of places for us to advance in our career. But at the same time, we were just starting out. It was a perfect place for us. But the next thing we knew, three years had gone by. And I was like, um, wonder why I haven't gotten pregnant yet. You know, like, what is the deal? And we ended up just like talking it through like, okay, we're still under 30. Let's just keep working hard, enjoying each other and try not to focus on it too much. And then Bo got an opportunity in Nashville that would have definitely taken him to the next level with his career. And he was like, maybe this is why we haven't, you know, been able to have a baby yet is that this is, that would be really hard if we had a toddler and to go. And we made a deal that if I had no problems finding a job up here, that we would just take that leap of faith. We prayed and prayed and prayed about it. And I found a job by the end of that day. Oh, wow. It was, And I thought for sure it would be so hard and I just, God laid those plans out for us perfectly. So we took a leap of faith. We, both of us are homebodies. We're both very close with our family. So it definitely helped that Caroline and Luke were already here. So yeah. we, we were familiar with the area, but it was really hard for me to move that far from my mom and my sister. And, um, but anyway, we uh, moved up home for you? right outside of Milledgeville, Sparta. 30 okay, miles. Just saying, so Millageville is kind of middle Georgia, guys. Just make sure people know. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we took a leap of faith and moved. And while we were up here, we decided that was right when I was 30. So at that point, we'd been trying for four or five years. And we decided to see a fertility specialist to see what do we think is going on? What is the holdup here? And we never really did find out. Everything was clear on both on both sides. But um I believe with all of my heart that it was God's timing waiting for Brett. We needed to be here for her. And um, Brett was our first round of in vitro of IVF. That was where her story began. So she was after we had seven failed rounds of IUI, several surgeries, and then she was our first round of IVF. Wow. And that was in 2015 was when I went through and she was born in 2016. Wow. So my mom for her whole career, so 30 plus years worked with children with special needs and the whole gamut from learning disabilities to electric wheelchairs and feeding tubes, you know, all kinds of, but within that had several friends growing up with downs. And because this was normal for me, I just was like, you know, I had friends with downs. I had friends like I just, you know, when people treat people different, it's, I don't know. I, I felt to me, it was just normal. It was just, Oh, you get to sit down. How lucky. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Right. Well, I think that that exposure to inclusion at an early age makes yeah. all the difference that their everybody's abilities are different. Yeah. And I was not lucky enough to be exposed to many people of different abilities at all. So when we got her Down syndrome or probable Down syndrome diagnosis, I was terrified. Yeah. I mean, all, all I could do was hear what the doctors were telling me she would never do. And I feel like if I had been fortunate enough to see how capable everybody with Down syndrome are, how normal their families function, how there's joy, there's laughter, there's ups, there's downs, that's everybody, you know, I think I would have taken the news a little better than I did initially. If I'm being honest, there was a lot, a lot of it was that I was so angry that we had tried for so long and then still had challenges or things that were not, I'm using air quotes there, but not normal. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Cause because, you so hard for that baby. Yeah. Um, but now, Oh God, I'm just so thankful. And I'm so thankful for the time that we had to mature and grow closer together that I think, you know, if we had gotten pregnant right when we first started trying and first started praying for a baby, it would have been just not, been able to handle everything as well as I feel like we were ready for her one way or the other. Yeah. Okay. So sweet baby Brett was born and we realized about downs and then um, what else? Well, so we got, we didn't really have confirmation until she was born, but with her particular heart defect that was diagnosed prenatally has a strong correlation with kids with down syndrome. And, um, so we had a pretty good heads up. There were several things in my pregnancy that was like, Hey, positive screen, negative screen. So we don't know if she's, you know, and they did want to do an amnio and we declined, but anyway, um, she was born on July 8th, 2016 at Vanderbilt. And we stayed 25 days in the NICU with her and then we're able to bring her home. The most precious sweet, happy, wonderful child. I mean, I could not be more blessed to be her mom. Um, The thing that I love to tell everybody is everything that they told me she would be behind on, she was not. Not that it matters. Every kid does everything at their own pace, but I just found it comical that they were like, she's going to be way behind on holding her head up. She's going to be way behind on rolling over. I mean, it was everything she was doing as far as milestones was Absolutely right on track. Nice. She, Brett, got a cold. We knew she would have to have open heart surgery between four and six months. Wow. And so our goal was to keep her safe and healthy between, I mean, in that time. So we really did not let a lot of people see her. I feel like it was similar to how people right now are feeling with COVID with their newborns, whether they're well or have any kind of illness. But that's one of my only regrets I guess I would, you know, in hindsight that I wish I had just let everybody that wanted to come hold her and see her, see her, but she got a cold and we ended up getting admitted to the hospital where we knew she was not going to get any better until it was time to repair her heart. Her particular diagnosis has a 97% success rate surgically. It doesn't mean that her heart would ever be cured, that her heart would ever be normal, but 97% of the time, there's no more need for surgical intervention. So I just said, we're in the 97%. Like, like, 
I'm not even thinking about the three. And I didn't. I mean, I had not even entertained that anything could go wrong. And on the day of her surgery, which was November 28th, 16, what was supposed to be a four to six hour surgery turned into 12 with multiple, the first update saying everything went awesome. She did great. She's a rock star. We're going to warm her up. We're going to do an echo, make sure everything looks great. Well, when they did, they noticed on the echo that her mitral valve was not competent and that if they didn't go in and work on it, then that we'd have to have more, I mean, that she'd never come off the vent. So every, anyway, that was the longest, worst day of my life. I pray that it never gets any worse than that. But we were told that night, she is the sickest child in Nashville. Oh my God. And I couldn't even process because we hadn't, hadn't mentally, emotionally prepared for anything going wrong. And we couldn't even process what that meant. And um, it was about midnight that night when we finally got to see her and she was on ECMO, which is the highest form of life support there is, heart-lung ECMO um, for the next eight days. And we were told she may never come off. We don't know. Um, Every day they were telling us that she may not make it today. And there's a lot of times that I've prayed and wondered why God didn't take her then. And I think that it's because we needed to process. And in the pro we were in the hospital for the next 100 days. And I truly believe in that fight. The reason that she needed exactly how much time she was given on earth were the countless amounts of thousands of people that prayed for her. And I just believe that her, destiny, her, what she was put on earth to do was to bring people closer to Christ and to change the world of congenital heart disease and change everybody's outlook on Down syndrome. And I have had to come to terms and I'll be honest, I have to constantly remind myself of this, but if I look at what my aspirations were for my child in seven months, she hit every one of them how could I ask for more? I'm sad that she's not here, you know, but I still have such an incredible place to pour my love. I get to say her name every day, as many times as I want to. And there are grieving mothers who don't have that luxury. And so I have to just stay focused on how blessed I am as a mother that my child did everything I ask of her. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We're both wiping tears. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I just, I, I wrote down what you said that you felt her purpose was to change the world for congenital heart failure and Down syndrome. I mean, that's a pretty amazing purpose as a, yes. oh my God, how old was she? She was seven months old. Seven months. Okay. Yep. She was four months old when we got put into the hospital and she was almost eight months old when, when we lost her. Um, I'm not saying that my outlook is as positive as that all the time. Certainly not. I have days, you know, where I will see, because now that we're in this world, I'll see kids that are perfectly healthy and they've got a horrible home life. You know, a lot of times I struggle to understand why, 
do things have to be the way they are for parents that really want their child here? And then there's people that have their children and the situation is so, I, I, I can't even find the words, just not loving, not ideal. I have to be honest about that. There's still days that I, I can't understand the scale. Life is not fair. However, I still just have to continue to remind myself how fortunate I am to have been her mother. Yeah. And there were definitely times, you know, there were people that were really close to me. Everybody wants to rack their brain of what can I say to make you feel better? And some people would say, thank God we had her as long as we did. And and 90% of the time, like I said, I'm able to stay in that positive frame of mind. But then sometimes when people would say that, thank God we had her as long as we did, I, I would just have to reel myself in, you know, so it's all perspective. And I'm very, very grateful that God has given me a place to pour my love that has kept me in a, in a positive place for her, that I'm able to see it constantly. Why things happen the way that they did is so that this path could be taken. You know, if everything that I'd prayed for initially had happened I I wouldn't have this perspective. I wouldn't have this appreciation for trials. I do pray that I don't have any more, sure. <laughs> but I hopefully can have that endurance that Brett has blessed my heart with. I'm combining all my top advice, everything I hear most often when I have mentoring calls and putting it in one easy to digest course. It's called From Heartbreak to Happily Ever After, and it is available now. I taught a similar style course back in January. I got your feedback. I learned some, and I put this together in four different modules, walking you literally from a heartbreak to a healthy relationship. We're going to talk about healing from hurt, loving your single life, chemistry, infatuation, and have a shame-free discussion on sex. And then 17 things I've learned in 17 years of marriage. I put a lot of research into each module and I pray this content will help change your dating life for the so much better. If you've never been through a heartbreak, it still applies. You can just skip the first one and go ahead to the dating and loving your single life. If you are in a relationship, this also applies to you because it helps you find a healthy relationship. Evaluate where you are, where you want to go, and how to get there. Find all the information on my website or on Instagram. That's at Katie Bulmer Life. And Truth For Your 20s listeners save 10% by using promo code TRUTH at checkout. Are you in a sorority or interested in joining one? I want to tell you about Greek InterVarsity. It is a national Christian ministry for fraternity and sorority students. Greek IV truly believes that you can be Greek and be a Christian, and they want to show you how. Greek InterVarsity offers leadership training, conferences, retreats, and they even have a podcast, the Greek and Christian Podcast, all of which help you thrive in your faith and Greek life. This month in August, Greek InterVarsity is offering a special promotion where the first 100 people who subscribe to the Greek InterVarsity will receive a free copy of a little book your homegirl Katie wrote called Sorority Girls Can Change the World. So all you have to do is go to greekiv.org, fill out the contact form to get your free copy of my book today. Legit, I wish this existed when I was in college. Greek IV is doing amazing things. I've had the opportunity to meet some people behind the scenes. They are so Jesus-focused and cool and relatable and fun and make sure you make the most of your college experience. Greek IV is where faith and Greek life intersect. So go check it out, greekiv.org. 
Well, that's such a good point. I think that, you know, no one wishes for what you walk through. Like it's, it's awful, but the beauty from the ashes, right? The things yes. that are built from circumstances that no one would have chosen. So of course I would like for you to talk about Brett's barn. I read us, I don't remember where I heard this probably on the lane of social media, but correct me of course, if this is wrong, but was it true that like, I think Brett was in the hospital and Caroline promised to buy her a, p- a pony. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell me all so about we, that. He, she was really just picking on Bo because mine and Bo's yard is mm, half an acre. <laughs> Uh-huh. We don't have a place for a pony here. <laughs> now she has a lot of land. I don't even know how many acres they have out there, but she kept say, she said, y'all are going to, you know, get a ring at the doorbell and I'm going to bring her a white pony, Bo. You're going to have to keep it in the backyard. And Bo's like, first of all, he doesn't laugh too hard at what she says because she will do it. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the pranks. Miss, yes. I mean, she'll show up and then be like, no, you've got it. It's your, it's your horse now. It's going to live in this neighborhood where your HOA is going to throw you out. But she, she did, she promised Brett that I remember exactly what room we were in, where we were standing, how she was looking over. And then after we lost Brett, I think she was just, she, she's got such a servant's heart. She was racking her brain of ways to help and to make it better. And I know she, she knew that I was saying, my fear was that people would be so uncomfortable talking about the loss that they would quit talking about her. Yeah. Which is every grieving mother's fear, by the way, everybody that I've ever talked to was like, you know, never be afraid to say their child's name because you think you're going to bring up something that they aren't thinking about 100% of the day. They're thinking about it. You're not going to remind them that they lost their child. (laughs) Um, And so I kept saying, you know, I don't, I just want people to know she was here and that, of her great purpose. And so she ended up this girl, Tammy, that we play tennis with where I'm actually going to see Tammy today, but Tammy volunteers at an animal rescue shelter. That's about 45 minutes outside of Nashville called redemption road. And she called Caroline and said, you're not going to believe this, but a little white pony, a little miniature white pony came in today. No, And it was like, she said, I just felt like that's it. That's what I can do. I'm going to rescue this pony and we're going to have a place that we celebrate her and see these animals. And what's so interesting to me about the barn too, about 90% of the animals are rescue. And a lot of them, you know, like have just different birth defects and they're all perfect perfect and fun and quirky and the best, but it's, they're all just fit together. So perfect. And they're all, I mean, to know that we were able to say, or Caroline was able to save their life and they've brought us so much joy. And it's definitely our ultimate goal that once we, that if we could, cause it is on their farm at their house. So it's just kind of impossible to be open to the public where it is, but also a lot of the animals were starved. They're aggressive with food. They, it takes a while to rehab them to where they're safe for just anybody to be around. And so our goal is to, I mean, everybody's in a good place right now, but to have a place that's available to be open to the public because we've had controlled groups that we've taken out there, kids with the Down syndrome, Down syndrome association, different kids with CHD that we just, we know their family well and knew the kid was in a safe, good spot to be able to be out there. And it, 
it is so healing for everybody. Um, we took over one of Luke's barns. He had was storing his tractors and I don't know where the heck Caroline moved him, but she was just like, peace, I'm taking this over and painted the barn yellow. He had a big buck commander. It was like orange and uh, black, like camo and stuff and had a big buck commander. And she just painted right over it with yellow. <laughs> As she would. Yes. She was like, ask for forgiveness, never ask for permission. And meanwhile, my poor husband's like, do not keep taking advice from my sister. (laughs) But um, it's just the most special place. And there's bumblebees everywhere out there. And at Brett's service, we handed out wildflower seeds. And these wildflowers are just out there. And we'd never seen them before, before we lost her. It's just truly, there have been so many signs from God. And I appreciate, I'm so grateful. I feel like God's given us signs from Brett that she's there. And it's just been so healing for our family. Even when it's totally unrelated, when anybody's had a bad day, that's the place we want to go to cool off is just go out there and put life in perspective. And it's, I just, that's our goal is to have it where everybody has an opportunity to pull strength from there the way that we've been able to. I love this so much. So Brett's barn is kind of a home for forgotten animals or animals that perhaps didn't have, you know, whatever the normal sort of places was and they get to be, have this lovely area there in Nashville. Yes. And then one one thing about the barn too, that I have to say is Brett's barn is 100% privately funded by Caroline and Luke. So the found it's 100% the symbol of our foundation, the bumblebee, which we called Brett, the queen bee. So that was where that all got started and yellow was her color, but any of our fundraising, all of the barn is paid for by Caroline. The fundraising all goes to CHD research and supporting the Down syndrome community. Well, I just have to say my memories from college, you know, it's so funny because I remember, you know, Caroline and Luke were dating and then they broke up for a little while. And then it was funny because a couple of years ago, I mean, a couple of years after graduation, I would see congratulations, Luke and Caroline. And, and I had no idea. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, did they get married? Oh, maybe they had a baby. Oh, he won the CMAs. Like, no big deal. Yeah. (laughs) But I just love, and I'm sure you can attest to this, that from this perspective, they're the same goofy, hilarious, crazy people. My memory of Luke is, come on, let's go to late night. We got to get some cardio exercise. And I'm sure he's still saying the same. Yes. And he hasn't slowed down at all. There is no rest mode for him. (laughs) So crazy. You know, you forget sometimes when you, we all went to college together, um, but sometimes, especially in the beginning, as things were really taken off, I think Luke's first number one was do I, and it went number one, the night bow and I got married. (gasps) Wait, what year was that? 2009. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but several times I remember when we would meet them at the beach and go different places, I'd be like, why is everybody staring over here? (laughs) There's shark in the water. And you're like. Oh, look, look at his teeth. They're looking at them. There's no blend in. She's, you know, a 10 and walks in. So everybody that looks at them, even if you don't follow country music, I feel like everybody sees them together and it's like, I should know who that is. Right. So, and yeah. now American Idol. and Oh, yeah. yeah. It's gotten it's gotten more intense. That's for sure. That's amazing. I know that's so funny, but I think that people look on with people in the limelight and 
forget or at least need to be reminded you know, regular people who went to college and parted at late nights. And yes, well, I'll tell you too, from a perspective of being in the hospital, they were there. I mean, gosh, at least every other day, Luke had to travel a good bit while we were in the hospital, but there were so many times um, in hindsight, because I was oblivious. And so they were there and he would still make time after seeing Brett and deal. I mean, they had every bit of the feelings that we did. Yeah. He'd still make time to go see people, even though they were just struggling, but there were several times I'll tell you, I had to be like, Luke, you can't stare in that patient's room. They'd be at like our next door (laughs) neighbor and it'd be separated by glass. So they'd see him staring into their room. I said, can you imagine waking up one day you stand in with your child and you're like, is that (laughs) staring in this room? And he was like, he just wanted to know every, every time he was there, he wanted to know every detail on every kid around. I was like, it's none of my business. What's going on in the rooms? Such big hearts. Yes. I love that. Okay. So I want you to tell me about the Ronald McDonald house because you and I are both 80 pies and that is our philanthropy. And I know that you know, we talked about this beforehand, but when we were college students, we did not understand what an incredible service this was. And whatever your philanthropy listening to this, you know, sight for the blind, Alzheimer's, a lot of times college students don't really understand the impact they're making with the fundraisers for their philanthropy. So talk to me about your experience with the Ronald McDonald House. Well, like we've talked about earlier, when I was in college, I really couldn't grasp exactly the service and exactly what the Ronald McDonald house offers to families. The house is a place where when people have a child in the hospital, if they live within a certain amount of distance away from the hospital, the the parents and their families when COVID's not around can come and stay there so that they can be close to their child in the hospital. It's a place to still be close to step away and actually lay your head down and not hear monitors, which is a gift that I cannot describe to anybody who has not had to sit there and have alarm fatigue. There's a place for them to have a meal in a kitchen that feels like a home, does not feel like a cafeteria. It's a place for the rest of their family to gather and, and be able to just support the parents that are in this acute, you know, keep my child safe mode. Um, For us, we didn't actually stay in the Ronald McDonald house, but there was a Ronald McDonald room on the fifth floor, which is where the cardiac unit was for Brett. And it was such an incredible gift to Bo and I to be able to step away. We'd be able to sit on a couch and have lunch and feel like I have taken a break, even though you really weren't not far from her because Brett was pretty acutely sick those last 100 days. There wasn't really a time that we could be away. But what volunteer opportunities that you have with the Ronald McDonald House and what a lot of 80 Pies do is they serve meals for the families because, as you can understand, it's very financially straining to have a child that's critically ill um, to where, number one, you may not be able to afford to have a meal. And so this is taking care of you. But number two, I can tell you from experience, you don't want to think about what you're going to eat next. And if one stress and one thought is handled for you, what a tremendous gift it is. But also for people to have an opportunity to see you and say, 
I see that what you're carrying is so heavy. Can I take one pound off? There's all of those opportunities, but there's also the fundraising aspect, like we were saying, that's important every day um, and every year, because obviously there are huge expenses from the uh, from the Ronald McDonald House, but especially this year, COVID's taken away their ability to fundraise in person and to explain their mission to people who can grasp it. And so sorority component, we have the opportunity that we can fundraise virtually. We all have family and friends who can give $1 or help you reach a goal. And, and they depend on you so much. And there's such an incredible trickle effect for these families and for all, everyone affected that I just want to say, I wish I could go back and tell myself truly how much it is helping somebody to show up and to serve a meal, but especially to keep helping them fund their mission, which is just so important. Yes. And in Statesboro, the nearest best hospital was an hour away in Savannah, yes. which is making the Ronald McDonald house even more of a blessing because if your house is an hour away and your baby's in the hospital and your only place to sleep is those terrible couch bed things. Yes. yes. Exactly. And I mean, we, we roomed in with Brett. Um, There was a little cot that I slept on in her room, but there were people at the Ronald McDonald house in Nashville from Kentucky, from North Georgia, from all over the state, which I mean, so from Memphis, from Knoxville, everywhere, um, they didn't have a choice, you know, and when you're there for that long, you have to have a night's sleep that's away from the alarms or else you're going to get sick too. I mean, yeah. And you know, not anyone can afford to stay in a hotel for three months or, you know, however right, long. and continue to pay your mortgage and continue. But that's, that's the other thing that is such a blessing from the Ronald McDonald house is while, well, COVID's obviously, let's just take that under normal yeah. circumstances. It's a place for their whole family to still stay together. And having a child in the hospital is hard enough. That's one of Bo and I are grateful that Brett was our firstborn because it would have been 10 times the challenge if we were separated and had another child at home that we were pulled away from. And so the Ron McDonald house really fights to keep, keep families together. So talk to me about current day. I know we have a new addition to the family and what the Brett Boyer Foundation is has coming down the pipes. So I'm so, so excited. We've got seven research projects that we are currently funding nationally. February this year will be four years since we lost Brett. I never, ever, ever dreamed that we could have this much going. And I'm just so incredibly proud of her and her legacy, but we've got some valve studies in Boston. We've got some, several studies at Vanderbilt, of course, that we love their team. We're looking into several opportunities to fund some things in Atlanta, in Texas and in Baltimore. Wow. Um, And then we are bright boxes, which are boxes that when kids have a half birthday, a birthday, if they receive a heart transplant, get listed, several different things there are big monumental days. We've been putting together boxes that can they can get from the social worker while they're inpatient to decorate their room, to celebrate any and everything that they have to cling to to celebrate 
it really does give you a pick me up. So we've had an opportunity to have those um, in Charleston, Atlanta, Texas, Alabama, where all else? What a blessing that I can't think of it right now. So yeah, we're funding congenital heart disease research and we are supporting the Down syndrome community because and in, and inclusivity because like you said i mean it just makes such a difference in valuing what everybody brings to the table mm-hmm. when you're exposed to people of different abilities all the way through yeah oh my gosh and then how old is your you have a little boy right right yes wells is 2 he just turned 2 and he is finally starting to grasp that he is going to be a big brother in march <gasps> what yeah i didn't know that <laughs> Brett's baby sister is coming in March. Congratulations, sister. Thank you. Thank you. So he won't really even remember being an only child, which is good. Our kids are 21 months apart. And we say all the time, you know, well, you had your time as an only child. She's like, well, I don't remember. Yes. <laughs> he, um, I'll tell you, he's a little rotten, a little spoiled. So we're going to have some adjustments <laughs> to make, but he's already, um, rubbing on my belly and saying baby now. So we, I think he's finally starting to grasp what's coming along. Oh my gosh. Okay. So how can we partner, help get behind what you're doing and just continue to shine the light for Brett and raise awareness? First, any of our videos that are on our Instagram or Facebook page, our Instagram is bright for Brett and Facebook under the Brett Boyer foundation. But anytime you share those videos that we've really poured our blood, sweat, and tears into helping people understand what congenital heart disease is, spreading that awareness and educating yourself on it, because I totally was uneducated before, before we had Brett's diagnosis. One in 100 live births will have a CHD diagnosis. Wow! So it's very, very common and just not talked about. So we, that helps us more than anything, but there's always ways to donate through our website. And we always are so grateful. Anytime anybody starts a social media um, fundraising campaign for us, it's just such an honor. So that's helping us fund that research, keep Brett's legacy going and support the families that are currently inpatient. Do you have events when we're in normal circumstances? (laughs) In normal circumstances, every March, and we're still pushing forward, hoping that we can figure out some hybrid of a way to have bike for Brett um, in March. We'd worked with local cycle bars and we're trying to do one, an outdoor ride that hopefully can be COVID compliant. February and heart month, we usually have an event at um, the Predators game, but that will not be happening this year. That's usually one of our biggest things that we hope to be able to have people ride from their Peloton, ride from wherever, but Bike for Brett is in March. Well, I wore my um, Bright for Brett tank top to the gym today representing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Ellen, I'm just so excited to connect with you again, to share. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for just being open and honest and letting us understand a little bit about what you walk through, but just to continue to you know, let Brett's legacy live on. And I'm just so excited about what you guys are doing. And I just love your family so much. Thank you so much for having us. I look forward to us being able to see each other soon. I know in real life, right? Yes. (laughs) Well, you rock. Thanks, Ellen. All right. Thank you. 
I'm over here giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Would you help a sister out and take a screenshot right wherever you're listening and share it on your social? Give me a tag at Katie Wilmer Life so I can give you a big thank you. You sharing it, you leaving your reviews on iTunes is the best possible compliment you can give. Hey, let's continue to hang out. We have a private community called Truth For Your 20s over on Facebook. So just go to groups, search Truth For Your 20s and come join the party.